0: A reading from Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Debbie. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we ask that by your spirit you would just teach us this morning. Teach us to become more like your son. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. If you uh, followed the news this week, NATO, which is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, they made world news. Uh, Turkey, which is in NATO, agreed to back Sweden's bid to join NATO. NATO is a military alliance between 31 nations. It was established in 1949, just a few years after World War II. And the reason this is a big deal is because many people believe that this moves the needle towards Ukraine potentially joining NATO as well. That would have major ramifications in their war with Russia and would involve all other 31 or possibly now 32 nations including the United States of America. I say all of this because ever since we got kicked out of the garden in Genesis 3, there has always been conflict between nations, between people groups, between ethnic groups, and between different cultures. Think about all the conflict even in this very land that we call home. The war between the European-Americans and the Native Americans. The war against Great Britain in the late 1700s. The slave trade with Africa in which people were treated less than human because of their ethnic identity. And then this treatment ultimately led to the Civil War of the 1860s. Jim Crow laws in the 1900s which enforced racial segregation. Or even recently with the Black Lives Matter movement that came into the world's spotlight in 2020 and has caused people to take sides along ethnic lines. We live in a world of division. We live in a world of conflict. And we live in a world of chaos. I was recently talking with a friend of mine about all the division in our world and country, and specifically division when it comes to different people groups. And he said this, quote, I think a lot of our problems would go away if people were willing to just sit down and talk. His point is this, so many of our assumptions would quite possibly, okay, possibly, fall by the wayside if we were willing to just meet each other and experience the humanity of another person. Ever since 2020, I truly believe that our greatest witness to a divided world is to be people of peace, people of reconciliation, and people of unity. To be people who don't give in to the outrage culture. To be people who don't join in with the immaturity of social media. And instead offer our physical presence to one another. And by doing so, become people of peace. While this may seem like a pipe dream, I believe it's possible because of one simple truth. And it's this, the presence of the Lord brings peace. The presence of the Lord brings peace. Let's see what Haggai has to say about it. Um, focusing on our first point this morning, God's presence. So Haggai chapter 2 verse 1, if you're not already turned there page 791 in your pew bible we see this in verse one in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month which would have been october 17th 520 bc if you care the word of the lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet and then in verse three he says this who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory i'm going to try to read this as well as debbie did how do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Real quick, that phrase be strong most often in the Old Testament is translated as take courage. He's calling them, he's calling his people to courage. And he's asking them to not only look at their current reality of an unimpressive half-built building, but to look ahead to what could be if they are courageous in their work. If I'm in the audience listening to Haggai, I would probably be saying something along the lines of this, well, that's all fine and good, Haggai and God, but we're alone here. We're literally living in ruins. We were in exile for decades. God, where were you then and and where are you now? And if that's at all what somebody was saying, God responds in the middle of verse 4. He says this, "'Work, for I am with you,' declares the Lord of hosts, "'according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst.'" fear not god has not abandoned them and he is with them by his spirit back in may my family and i had the opportunity to go to florida uh, you may look at us and our lives on a sunday morning and that that you may think that our life is a, a chaotic mess with two little boys and you're not wrong just imagine us on an airplane okay <laughs> Think about, like, the worst case scenario, and then don't change anything, and that's us. Uh, Anyway, in May, we landed mid-afternoon, and we were hungry, okay? So we throw our luggage into the house, and we head up to an outdoor restaurant. It's about four o'clock, and all of a sudden, all the locals begin to leave as the sky turns dark. I love tracking the weather and the radar, and so I'm checking my phone like I'm some meteorologist, and I keep saying with confidence, yeah, it's, it's going to miss us. Men especially, have we been there? Right? Well, you know how the story ends. I was wrong. It arrived, and it wasn't a typical Midwestern storm. It was the typical South Florida middle-of-the-afternoon monsoon. I love storms. But our oldest does not. And Noah begins to cry. And we finally track down an umbrella. We take him inside, and he eats his dinner in a bathroom with his grandma. Yeah, which she is here today. The rest of our trip, all he wanted us to do was to talk about the storm. He was obsessed, he was fixated. We then come back to Illinois, and fortunately for him, but unfortunately for the farmers and people who like green grass, it didn't rain for about a month after we got back. That is until the last week of June. You guys remember those couple nights? It was the middle of the night the first time, and the storm rolled in. Immediately, we hear Noah crying and yelling for us. He was scared. He was marked by that Florida storm and all those memories and emotions associated with that were now coming back. And so I go up to his room and after all of his questions of what is thunder, why did God make thunder, where does thunder live, do you know what he wanted me to do? He said, Daddy, can you just lay with me? God said to his people, I am with you. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. More than Noah wanted answers to his questions, and I believe that even more than he wanted the thunder to stop, he just wanted me to be with him. Dr. Kurt Thompson says it this way, when people come to us with their pain, It's important for us to know that more than a solution from us, they need our presence. Our friend Doug Rumbled wrote an entire book about this very thing. The people of God had been through a 70-year thunderstorm that caused an immense amount of pain. They had returned to see the destruction, and they were depressed and unmotivated. And God comes along and says, Hey, remember what I did for your ancestors back in Egypt? I haven't forgotten about that. And I haven't forgotten about the promise that I made with you. I'm here. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. In our current world of distraction, with people behind screens and some entering the metaverse looking for an alternative reality, In a world of loneliness and brokenness, I believe that we need to be people of presence. I believe this because the giving of the Ten Commandments was not good enough. God didn't stay distant from us and tell us what to do. No, he became a human being and he entered into our world and gave us his physical presence as a model of how to live and ultimately a sacrifice for all. This is our call, to be present in each other's lives. The presence of the Lord brings peace. Let's now focus on our second point this morning, peace. Look at verse 6 with me. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. When Jerusalem was captured and the temple destroyed, the the Babylonians plundered the city as well. And so when the Israelites, the Jews, returned from exile, the material possessions just simply were not there. But God makes a promise that he will provide. He will strike the nations to bring in all of these treasures. It's believed that this is a, not a strike of judgment necessarily, but a strike of provision. Why? Because the silver and the gold is ultimately God's anyways. Now this is the immediate context and application of this verse. However, if you read any scholar... They all agree that the interpretation doesn't stop there. That the treasures are not just material possessions, but also human beings from every single nation. God calling humans from the ends of the earth to himself. This makes sense because if you look at verse 9, he says, quote, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than Than the former says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. As Rick pointed out two weeks ago, this isn't just about a building; it's about God's presence coming among His people and bringing peace. And this word "peace" here in verse nine, many of you probably know, is the word uh, the Hebrew word "shalom." which could also be translated as completeness, wholeness, welfare, prosperity, safety, or health. There will be shalom. And not just shalom in Jerusalem for the Jews, but there will be shalom for all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. And let me be clear real quick. Sometimes the presence of the Lord does not bring peace. Okay? He is a God of judgment and wrath that is not peaceful for some at times. But the promise here is that he will one day bring about ultimate peace. God is a God of completeness, of wholeness, of shalom. He has already won the battle. And so when he chooses to come on the scene and deliver peace in a world of chaos, it happens. It happened in Genesis 1, and it will happen one day at the end. Listen to some of these passages. They'll be on the screen for you, and they're also located in your notes. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Acts 10, 34. Peter here is talking to a Cornelius uh, who is a Gentile, and we read this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Revelation 7, 9 through 10, often quoted, Starting in verse 22, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. Why can they be left open? Because there isn't a threat of danger from the outside. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. And lastly, back to Haggai 2.9, And in this place, I will give peace. Wars, conflicts, tension will not be our reality forever amen we long for the day when all nations people groups and languages gather around the throne and are unified and in that day ultimately the presence of the Lord will bring peace so what do we do If his presence does bring peace, while we wait for the ultimate fulfillment of that, what's the invitation for us as we wait? Okay, I have two of them, all right, and they're both in your bulletin as well. The first is simple and basic, okay? All throughout church history, and even starting with the Jews before Jesus came on the scene, there was a regular habit of something called fixed hour prayer or the daily office. Okay, we see this in Acts 3 verse 1 when we read this, quote, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This would have been three o'clock in the afternoon, and this was customary for them in addition to 9 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon as well. This was a three times a day reminder for them that their plans, their schedule, And their life is not all that there is. And get this, but instead, they willfully chose to be inconvenienced by stopping to pray in order to be re centered to the kingdom of God. Over the years in the Western church, we have gotten away from this habit for a few different reasons. Some think it's too traditional. It's out of style. Others think it's legalistic, and because it lacks spontaneity, then it's not genuine. And some are just outright too busy to pray. Regardless of the reason, I believe it's unfortunate. And so my invitation for us as a church for the next seven days is this. To set an alarm on your phone, put a note on the mirror in your bathroom, or put a note in your car, or do something that will remind you to pause and pray. Just for one or two minutes. Pray that God's presence would bring peace to our world, to the nations, to different people groups and different languages. And pray that God would use local churches all around the world, including us, to be those agents of peace. Pray that the Spirit would move to bring more people to Himself by sending out people of peace to the harvest field to preach the good news, just as Sarah and Mia shared with us this morning. I'm going to do this every single day at 12 o'clock, give or take a few minutes, and I would love for you to join me in that time. At least for me, there is something encouraging about uh, all praying at the same time, even if we're in different locations. If you're with another Christian at 12 o'clock or with your kids or your parents, just pause and ask them if it's okay if you pray. And then do so. If you're in a meeting and you can't pray when you're done or before you start, no worries. But I believe that prayer is powerful and prayer ushers in the presence of God to bring peace to his creation. That's number one. Two, my second invitation, uh, this one's going to require a little bit more work and intentionality. But thinking back to my friend's quote about division, my invitation for you is over the next month, seek out someone who is a different nationality, different ethnicity, someone who grew up in a different culture, or someone who currently lives in a different culture and simply ask them how God is working in their context and how God has worked in their context. Come in as a student with humility, not to import your experience or ideology on them, but to continue to learn that God is a God of the nations and that one day all nations and people groups will be gathered around his throne. And we may ask, if we're honest, okay, but... Why is this necessary? Is this really necessary? I believe it is for a few reasons, okay? But primarily because even in this very room right now, there are multiple nationalities and cultures represented. And to think that your own experience of the world is the same as everyone else's is simply just not true. So, in order to promote peace and unity and to love each other well, we must begin to learn about one another's story and background and what has shaped a person to become who they are today. Yes, this will require some work. I get it. But remember, God's presence brings peace, and we are God's people. Retreating into our own bubble is an option but I don't believe it's a faithful one to the call of Christ. Once again, Kurt Thompson, speaking at the height of the pandemic, says this, quote, not only can we not live alone, but we also need people in our lives who are different than us, end quote. As always, pretty much everything I say up here, these are just invitations for you. But if the Spirit prompts you, I pray that you follow his lead. I'm going to close this in prayer. And because it's almost 12 o'clock, I will do our daily prayer for all of us today. And the bands will come up and close us with a song. So will you pray with me? Father, we do pray for your presence to come. We thank you that you are a good Father. And so we pray for peace in our world. We think of the war in Ukraine. Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you would indwell that place and indwell those people with your presence, with your spirit, and create peace. Lord, we think of places like Afghanistan. We think of places in Africa who are currently dealing with civil wars. We pray for peace. We pray for your peace by your presence and we even pray for tensions in America and even with some of the things that I may have said tensions in this very room right now Lord we, we don't pray for uniformity but we pray for unity that we would be one and God ultimately we just pray for workers to be sent out into the harvest field to be sent out with the good news that you are Lord and that you are king of all and that people would repent and believe in the good news and come to know you as Lord and Savior. So Father, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.